The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Hi there, good morning. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. Happy Monday, everybody. And how cool was it that President Obama celebrated with the class of 2014? He actually punctuated his speech on climate change with a hearty zot, zot, zot. So congrats to the 6,000 students uh, who uh, graduated this past weekend and uh, very exciting for our campus. All right, that was a little... Uh, Cambria Deccan, who used to come on my show with Love Will Find a Way, and that goes out to my wonderful husband, Robert, um, who I hope is listening. Hope everybody had a happy Father's Day, and uh, let's see, I've got a bunch of guests on this morning's show. Uh, coming up first, Justin Giddings and Ryan Welsh from Giddy Welshman. We're going to talk about the post-production process and their film, Outpost the Film, and then uh, joining me at 9.30, Lisa Hamilton. If you want to find out more about my guests, they're on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Justin and Ryan, welcome to the show. Hi, Hi thanks so much for having us. Hi, this is our uh, three-part pre-summer series on production, so this will be pretty cool. Wanna yeah. talk, we're going to talk about uh, post-production, right? Yeah. All right, all right. You guys are pumped for a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a we had a we had a minor snafu this morning that woke us up nice and quick. Uh oh, <laughs> what happened? Well, we uh, we've been planning for a launch for tomorrow, and we are partnered with a nonprofit organization which makes any donation to our film actually tax deductible, oh. um, which is pretty unique actually. And uh, they they decided to press the go live button this morning instead of tomorrow. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. So your listeners are actually the first people to hear about this um, if they go to www.outpostthefilm.com. They can get all the early bird goodies before anybody else knows about them since we were not planning to tell anybody else until <laughs> tomorrow. I know. I remember we talked about this. It wasn't supposed to happen until Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> so now your listeners get a little special bonus. All right. Outpostthefilm.com. 
Outpostofilm.com. Yeah, there's um, early bird pricing on things like DVDs, some of our more popular perks. Uh, there's a lot of limited perks because they are like hand-drawn characters and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, if you're listening and you want to get some of the cool stuff early, um, this is probably a really big, cool, good thing for you. I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. And your trailer is really awesome. It's on uh, your Facebook page, I think. Yep, and it's on uh, it's on outpostofilm.com, too. It's on our Indiegogo campaign page. When did you get this news? Really early this morning before coffee? or? Yeah, I, I woke up getting ready for the show uh-huh. and go out to take my coffee, and I look down, and it says, Donation Received. And I'm like, hmm, that's funny. That shouldn't be happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> Some weird Monday morning prank. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, it'll be fine. I mean, here you go. In, t- in terms of post-production, this is a perfect segue. Yes. This happens. Yes, it does. You're, you're, you can plan for months and h- literally hundreds of hours, and all it takes is one person to press the wrong button at the wrong time, and uh, you have to be flexible. You have to you have to switch around. You can't let it, you can't let it get you down. And... Uh, in Postland, there's always surprises because once you've got the footage in the can, mm-hmm. you turn it over to other artists and they really start to have a lot of creative input and even creative control to a certain point. Yes. And um, you have to let go. I, I, exactly. I would say so. Yeah, you do. You do. Exactly. Get let- and that, go ahead. I, I think that's the, that's the mark of good filmmaking is that if you're able to pick the right people and let it go – you actually get surprised with the um, with the benefits that come out on the other end of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, Welsh and I, we've talked so many times, uh, Ryan. I call him Welsh because my wife's name is Ryan, which gets really confusing. Oh, that is. <laughs> <laughs> so Welsh and I will, you know, we will, uh, I totally thought, lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> He was saying that we we spent a lot of time in uh, team building, and one of the things that we look for in pre-production anyway, starting in pre-production, is uh, building a post team ahead of time. Because a lot of one of those things too is you know don't. My advice to filmmakers would be like don't don't just hire an editor when you're done filming, or you know if you or hire your your sound uh, designer and mixer when you're done filming, like. Bring all those people on board ahead of time because they might, if they're able to come to set, they might be able to, while they're, they're looking out for their end of the job, you know, they're looking out for what they need to accomplish in that collaboration. And they can sometimes see the gaps that in the moment you're missing. Right. And um, so I think early involvement is a, is a really important key to the filmmaking process. Uh, Even when it comes to post, like start your post process before you started the film. Right, right. That's that's kind of the idea. Yeah, it's like when you're too close to something, you don't see it. You have to step away and let someone else take a look at it. Right, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I I would say our biggest mistake on our first film that we we learned from um, was that we didn't, as actors, we've never been a part of the post-production process other than maybe some ADR, which is, uh, you know, dubbing over your own lines. Yes. So, you know, we kind of had no idea what was involved and we didn't hire the enough people. We didn't hire the right people. Yeah. And yeah. so there was a lot of scrambling and a lot of resources lost as we had to kind of learn, you know, trial by fire. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this time around, 
(laughs) Most of our post-production is in place. In fact, some of our post-production is in place when we still don't have some of our actual production people in place. Yeah. So we know that finishing this film well, particularly because it has so many visual effects, um, so much design elements involved, we have to make sure that our end game is in place um, before we even get on the field if I'm going to use that metaphor. Right. Right. No, that's so true. You, so true. And you got to make sure everybody's lined up and ready to go. And, you know, how do you guys stay calm under all this pressure? I, I think... Uh, or, I guess, or not. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of whiskey. No, uh, I, think, I think having... Um, you know, it's been nice having, like, a, a filmmaking kind of partner in crime. Because, you know, we sort of share the burden and... Uh, at different times, and mm-hmm. um, even on even on some of the more in some of the more stressful moments, it's uh, you got another person there, kind of keeping you in check. And it, it's it's actually really rare for us to um, to both kind of lose our cool at the same time. I don't, I haven't seen it happen. That's so good. That'd be probably, that trend continues. Be probably a scary thing if that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something has gone seriously wrong. I know. I, think- I know. Yeah. I would say having a sense of humor is really important because, you know, we, we react so quickly and you have to try to, you know, put things in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's great life advice. Yeah. I know. No kidding. You know, stuff's going to happen. There's, there's nothing, you know, stuff's yeah. going to happen on set. Stuff's going to happen in post. You're going to run out of money. I mean, there's always going to be something. Yeah. Um, and if you can learn to roll with the punches, you know, you can you can flip it into something good. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I gotta admit I was a little I was a little bummed. One thing I've always had in my head with us launching tomorrow is that this series has been so much fun with you and it's been such a great Oh you know, thank you. Like it's just been really great. And uh, you know, we weren't gonna be able to talk about it today because it wasn't launched today. Well, now it is. There you go. <laughs> You well, know, and your people get the first the first uh, crack at it, which I it's actually great. perfect. That those are the people I'd like to have the first crack at it. It is perfect. It is perfect. I know yeah. I have a lot of people listening. They're, you know, students and community members, and this is a great, exciting topic for them. So yeah, yeah. So post production is kind of a mysterious beast. Is there anything that you particularly have have always been interested in that we could maybe shed some light on? No, I kind of wanted to hear kind of a case study. You know some examples of what you've been through and maybe some insights. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, we talk about I'm, the timeline. Yeah. We can talk a little bit about that. There's mm-hmm. one thing that I, the, the very first cut that you get from, from, uh, an editor, that was an interesting moment for me. Uh, it was, uh, you know, cause I'm Justin and I watched that first cut separately kind of on our own time. So I got to really take it in, on my own and uh, and you can see you know how how well you know if you've had discussions with your editor ahead of time how well you communicated your ideas or your vision for the piece sure the way, the way our editor worked at least was that he uh he just wanted to come in and do a cut kind of on his own and you know look at all the footage and read the script and, and put a cut together and kind of show us what he what he had and and um, it's interesting the spots where he was right on with the with what we were wanting, and and the spots where, uh, you know, where he had a different vision, and the spots where that different vision actually improved on our vision, and that's, you know, a testament to that collaboration as well. Um, 
And I guess it would be like, don't panic at the first. <laughs> I <laughs> know. Uh, you know, because you, you're going to you're going to go through three, four, five, six cuts of that film. And and uh, yeah, and it's OK for that first one, you know, to kind of be the skeleton to kind of rough it out and then use it to build on top of. Do you get afraid like you're going to lose your original vision when you get that first cut back and you're like, wait, that's not what I had in mind? I think it's more primal than that. I was just afraid the movie was going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my God, what if this sucks? Right. And it, it, but part of that, too, is it was, I think for both Justin and I, it was uh, the first film that we had that we were that we were that invested in, you know, and that post-process was very new to us. You know, we're, you know, like he had said, coming in as an actor for ADR is, you know, by the time you come in for that, you know, it's been edited. There's already some sound mixing happening. There might even be some music that they've started playing with. And then you come in and just sort of do some lines again. But, know. you know, to see it in such a raw form uh, was a, an eye-opening experience for me anyway. Is this, is this something that, um, you know, you obviously as an actor you learned one aspect, but in the actual process of your own baby you're saying, oh, I never realized that was part of the step of filmmaking. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we hired, we hired a sound designer uh, thinking that that was all we needed. Mm -hmm. um, and our first film was about um, a deaf woman. And the sound design was essential to the, to the film. Basically, what we decided to do was we did a lot of research to, to try to hone in on what deaf people actually hear. I mean, it's not just pure silence. There's kind of a range of sounds whether they're wearing, um, uh, you know, a cochlear implant or a hearing aid. So sound design, as you can imagine, was hugely important. So right. I knew a, quote, sound guy, and I called him, and I was like, hey, I'll give you our sound budget to do our sound stuff afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought I knew what I was talking about. So he was like, stuff. sure, and you yeah. show up. And, um, you know, he basically did one slice of the pie. Mm -hmm. And Welsh and I are freaking out because we're like, wait a second. There's got to be more than that. And he's like, oh, yeah, you'll, uh, you'll send it over to your sound mixer, and your re-recording mixer will put it together, and then your Foley artist will send over this stuff, and then <laughs> you know, right. you'll do some ADR, and you'll have your old package together. And I'm like, oh, I thought you did all that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, so things like that, you know, they're, the, again, the post process is so, so varied. You know, you hand your footage over to the editor. Mm -hmm. It's on these giant hard drives because, you, you know, most people are shooting digitally these days. Um, they put together a cut, and the moment they start putting together the cuts, you start involving your other team members so they can start getting ideas and inspiration. Yeah. Um, we didn't know all that. So our post process took forever because it was one step at a time, and it was higher as you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh sure, you know it's it's interesting. I was going to ask you what 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 was your guesstimate of your post production process for the new normal? Uh, I think we thought it was um, was it? I think we planned on was it three months? I think we planned on three months, but I think it ended up being four or five, right? Yeah, I think we had planned on on that two to three month range somewhere in there as uh, as our you know finished picture. And it ended up being closer to five months until it was almost until it was double. Really done. Yeah, yeah. So you really have to overestimate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, one of the one of the things we had, we were really hustling to try to do. I remember we were we really wanted to try to to finish the film for the um, for the Sundance submission deadline, and 
So uh, that gave us a really hard sort of cap on that development process, and we've missed the deadline. <laughs> so we were like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, but, uh, yeah, it was it, – it, it, it's – all of this takes longer than you imagine it will. I mean, even Outpost, we were like, we'll film this in June. Yeah. It's June now. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just starting, like, the, the fundraising process. And June what but, year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's exactly. Just say the month, neglect the year. And yes, it'll be fine. exactly. That's what you um, tell people. Yeah, we're going to shoot in June 2015. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we should also talk about the festivals as part of the post-process because – once the film is done, you basically have a giant file on your computer that's like, done film. Mm -hmm. um, that's really the beginning of the end, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, the festival process, for one thing, filmmakers, make sure you budget for your festivals. Yeah, we did not do that. We did not budget nearly adequately enough. Oh, no. And at $30 to $100 a pop, um, those costs add up. They do. Really yeah. Yeah. Um, but... We were not, we were not going to be coming out of pocket for our first film, This Is Normal, and that's where we came out of pocket. It was finally like, well, we got to submit to Sundance. Yeah. Right. So there goes, you know, 80 bucks. I and that's know. Just, that that's got to happen. Otherwise, you made the film for yourself. You know? Exactly. You need people to see it. It's not going to just sit on your computer. Yeah. yeah. Do, yeah. do you submit to contests and things before you submit to festivals? I mean, or you just go right for the festivals? Uh, it kind of depends. I mean, we've submitted outposts to a few script festivals. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of filmmakers will do that. A lot of filmmakers will write their script, uh, send it around to all the screenwriting festivals, and try to, you know, get some support and, and momentum, you know, behind their story on that sense. Um, other people make the film, and it just goes right to the, you know, right to the festival circuit. Uh, so it kind of depends, you know. There's a lot of sci-fi and um, horror uh, competitions, mm -hmm. so we thought we'd throw outposts in the bin into some of those. But you know, basically, we're going to make the film and then we're going to start sending it to, to major festivals. Did you ever submit to anything like uh, scene contests? You know, do they have those where you know you you submit a part of your script, hmm. or is it mostly just the entire script? I haven't heard of anything like that. I, there, there, there are a couple of things for features where you submit like a, a sample of the script, like 10, 10 pages of your script. Yes. A full synopsis of, of the feature. Mm -hmm. um, like there's, there's I've seen Ooh. on occasion. Wait, wait, I just heard a beep. What was, go ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. There's, um, I, I've seen that with feature films. Uh, I feel like where they'll where they'll ask for your first ten pages and a synopsis and any other materials you have for the film, but um, but yeah, most of the time I think they're just looking for the script. Yeah. And yeah. as far as uh, I want to ask this as well for people that are listening, might be writers. Do you end up uh, submitting your scripts to the Writers Guild? You know, are you concerned about people sh should people be concerned about protecting their ideas before they submit? Oh, sure. It's like 20 bucks to get it WGA. Yeah. Um, what is it? Register. 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 Yeah, to register yeah. it at the Writers Guild. It's like 20 bucks. It's, it's cheaper than going through the copyright process, but does basically the same thing for you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I think, you know, when it's at a certain point, it's, 
it doesn't hurt to, you know, sort of protect your intellectual property that way. Um, you know, and then the kind of wild west mentality that lives in me is like, well, if someone, if someone was sitting in a coffee shop and heard me talking about an idea and became inspired by it and did their own thing and just took it, yes, that would that would suck real bad for a hot minute. Um, but then at the end of the day, I, you know, it's, it harkens back to a conversation we had before. It's you know, I'm a creator. I'll just I'll create something else, and I'll yeah. be smarter about it next time. You know, it's it's. I kind of feel like um, there's that mentality that there really isn't anything original. Yeah, <laughs> particularly original these days, except for what's in your own voice. So even if somebody did take your you know, your idea, that's my idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your idea in their words is not your idea. That's it's, right. It's it, that's a different story. That's so right. Yeah. That's a good mentality to have. Yeah, I mean, on paper, Outpost is not, um, like, the most, like, it's basically a guy and and he's in love with his robot on this distant outpost. Mm-hmm. Um, that, on paper, is not particularly original. What's original is, the, the I think Welsh said it perfectly, the voice we bring to it, why we're telling that story, how we're going to tell that story, what, what tropes we're going to twist on their head so that it, it isn't just a bunch of exploding ships in space with aliens and a boy and his robot. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, yeah, finding your artistic voice, I mean, that, <laughs> that's, and that's going to carry through the entire process, including the post-process, because you're going to sit there and your editor's going to feel very strongly that you should do one thing and you're going to feel very strongly that you should do another thing. And sometimes you just have to go with your instincts and go with your gut. Um, there's a law, and, and it's little stuff. I mean, there's a fade in This Is Normal, a fade to white, that out of the three of us, I felt needed to be longer. And I just felt it, and I just felt it more than they felt it. And they didn't particularly like, like it, but they weren't particularly, you know, they weren't going to go to battle with me over it. So they just were like, okay, we'll have the fade be longer. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, well, that brings up another question. Do you do you do a kind of pilot test on an audience before you you know finalize it? We do, yeah. Actually, we had a um, we had a screening, a private screening of the film for invited guests um, at, with the edit just before picture lock. It was the last opportunity for us to give notes or make any adjustments. It's where we thought we felt pretty good. Like this is the film that we want to show people, and this is what we think. This is what we think uh, we want to do. We brought in this invited audience, and they, you know, we had. They, they took notes. That's we didn't good. collect. I don't think we collected any notes, but there it, it spurred like, you know, a twenty-minute film ended up it, like creating this hour-long discussion <laughs> about uh, the themes of the film. Most of it was very positive. And, That's good. Um. Yeah, but it's it's uh, that was that was really useful too. You know, bring in some people that you trust and who you know are going to look at your film with an eye um, that isn't you know, that isn't you know your colored glasses. Yeah, it's not your grandma watching your film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so. What's sweet. What's wrong with my grandmother? Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, you know, but I. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd, I agree. I'd say that. I'd say that's that's about that. I think that is so important because you all have your own vision, but it's really up to the audience, and then you can get some great insight before you finalize it. Oh, yeah. sure. You know, we had, we had some people, at the end of This is Normal, 
we weren't trying to make some political statement with her deciding to get um, a, a, a brand new kind of hearing device, which is very controversial in the deaf community. Mm-hmm. So we weren't trying to make a statement. What we were trying to question is, you know, when you make a big life-altering decision like that, how does that affect your world in ways that maybe you didn't expect, right? That's what we were exploring. Right. And so at the very end of the film, it's, it's very ambiguous how we're supposed to feel. She can hear. She gets... She finally gets you after a big, like, uh, snafu with the device, basically, with the procedure. She can hear, and the final scene is her sitting on the edge of a beach in her car, rolling her windows up and down, trying to sense that difference in sound coming from the ocean. You know what I mean? Wow. And at the very last frame, she covers her ears to try to kind of be silent with herself. Mm-hmm. And that's very it, – it's we left it – intentionally left it open to interpretation um and and a lot of audience members not a lot but there was a there was a good portion that were like why are you doing that why don't you just end on the happy note she can hear and that's great (laughs) and you know happy ending story and welsh and i talked about it and then we said nope that's not what we want to do but it helps to get that feedback because then you feel stronger in your convictions yes yeah Yes. And if you feel like, oh, man, they, they're totally right. We totally screwed up there. Um, you have kind of this outside evidence that, yes, you need to change that. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. But that wasn't the majority feeling on this case. No, 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 not on this particular case. But, you know, we had a therapist scene, um, and it was three times too long. I mean, we just, we just much gutted long, that yeah. scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, the, the, the post-process is... is there's an old saying that you make the movie three times when you write it, when you shoot it, and when you edit it. And yeah. it's definitely yeah. just as big on that third step, that post-process. Um, it's just as big of, as big of an endeavor as it was to write it and to shoot it. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's one big, long process, you know? Yeah. And they're all yeah. equally important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What? And, Go ahead. Oh, well, that's, that's, I was just going to say that the the part of the process that we, that we're not even really dealing with um, yet, at least on a, on a large scale is eventually, you know, you're, you move into distribution and that's somebody else's race in, in the relay race of filmmaking, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's still, you know, your film, it goes through all of these stages of development. And then even once you're, you know, once you start trying to figure out how it's going to be distributed and how the audiences are going to consume that piece, you know, that, that in itself is a race. I mean, it, it really is like, it is nonstop until if, I, I mean, this sounds kind of more, kind of morbid for the idea anyway, but it's nonstop until the piece, until nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like that, that film goes until audiences don't care to see it anymore. Right. And that's, that's really the, that's really the point where you, where you lay it to rest and it, you know. And you're done. Yeah. 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 Or throw it up on a website and sell it. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. That's the market. I'm the marketing side. I'm like, it will never die. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> maybe, there'll, maybe there'll be a part two. Yeah. yeah. You never know. So uh, as far as your post-production process, uh, when do you anticipate being finished? In the next few months? Is it going to take longer? Well, we just met with our visual effects guy who is, I think we may have mentioned this, our visual effects guy coming on to Outpost is a wizard. I mean, he's worked on um, 
Prometheus. He was one of the lead artists on Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter, Chronicles of Narnia, Clash of the Titans. Like, this guy is a rock star. Wow. Um, and he's from England, so he has a cool accent. Mm-hmm. And we just met with him yesterday, and we were talking about this. Um, we're looking to shoot in probably mid-October, late September, mid-October, because uh, there's just so much prep we have to do. we got to build our spaceship, uh, you know, so much stuff we have to do. And uh, and then after that, it's probably going to be at least three to six months on VFX alone, let yeah. alone all the other parts of the process. Um, making a movie takes a long time, even when it's, you know, 14 minutes long. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, we Particularly have... when you throw in VFX, I mean, you know, it's it's such a it's such a you, there's a cool documentary out there I can't remember, but if you Google uh, visual effects documentary, um, you know, a couple of years ago the visual effects house behind Life of Pi, which won an Academy Award for visual effects, uh, went bankrupt a few like was in the middle of bankruptcy um, because as an industry and as an art form, it's very hard to it's it's a huge High set of technical skills, um, but very difficult to monetize in terms of how little and how much each thing costs. You know what I mean? Sure. Yes. So you got, it's good to find people who are excited about your project. I mean, this guy is not working for his normal rate because he loves the project and he loves the script. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's very dedicated to the project. And we're just lucky because yeah. he's going to do a ton of work that we just could not afford if he were charging us regular rates. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course, understandably so. Listen, we have to wrap up. Maybe we should do a, a part four, post-post-production. <laughs> yeah, talk about festivals. We will come back to you anytime. All right, that sounds great. Justin Giddings and Ryan Welsh of Giddy Welshman Productions. Yeah, maybe we'll chat over the summer. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. it. Thank you so totally. much. Throw out your this website one more time. Give me your website. Yeah, website, uh, www.outpostthefilm.com. And you guys are the first to hear about it. So head over there and get all that early bird stuff before all of my friends and family snap it up. Awesome. Okay. Have a great day. <laughs> all right. Thanks. thanks, thanks bye. guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. If you missed any part of today's show with Justin Giddings and Ryan Welsh talking about outpost and post-production and all that, uh, you can check it out on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org, in a couple hours after the show. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with Lisa Hamilton, founder of the Esther Project Vine Foundation And she's also a freelance writer for the L.A. Times. Let me tell.